<clears throat> Perhaps you've, these words might be familiar to you. They come from an old hymn, and it says this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The hymn is called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And those words are so true. Those words are so important and powerful to us. I don't know what inspired the hymn writer to pen that line, that beautiful line that has stood the test of time lyrically. Perhaps it was Philippians chapter 4. As we, Paul talks about the peace of God. And it's probably something, in fact, I'm sure it's something that all of us desire. That is peace with God. And yet, do we have it right now? Do we have it today? What is the, the blockade between you and peace with God? Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Well, that sounds simple, right? Don't be anxious. I don't know how many of you have anxiety in your life, have battled with it at deep levels perhaps, or just other levels where it can from time to time become overwhelming. Anxiety is not strange to us though, is it? In fact, if you were to look up some statistics, and I found some from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And this, these anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults. That's 19.1% of the population. They're very treatable, the anxiety disorders, and yet only about 37% of those who've been diagnosed seek out treatment. Um, people with anxiety disorders are, are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who don't suffer from those. And anxiety is, is complicated. They develop from... Um, Risk factors including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. And again, I don't have to talk a whole lot about this. I, whether it's your own personal situation or people close to you that, that have and are battling with anxiety, yeah, it's hard. And uh, the battle is real. So here, when you have in Scripture, when that word shows up, I hope that perked your attention. If not for yourself, then for someone you love. Because the Bible speaks to this problem. When he says, don't be anxious about anything, well, it's not that easy, and yet, in some sense, it is. Um, it's not easy, I should say, but it is simple. Simple to understand, not easy to apply, 
But when you know the path before you, even if it is difficult, like we talked last week about the mountain, okay? If you know where you're headed, you can get started. And that's what I hope this will help you with this morning. How can I find peace? Because peace is a worldwide dilemma, as Linda prayed a few moments ago about the wars in our world. Peace in our nation is evaporating. Peace between peoples and political groups and There's just so much tension and anxiety in the big picture, but it really boils down to each of us being at peace in our homes, being at peace with with our friends, with our our children, our spouse, our our parents, whoever it might be. We, We all desire to be at peace, but when we go deepest, when we dig deepest, we have to seek out and find the peace with God first. And then those other areas can begin in time, sometimes with hard work and a lot of prayer, to begin also to live peacefully. But having peace with God in you, that's my question. How can I find that? Where do we find that? Let's go to verses 4 and 5 of Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoicing and re-rejoicing makes you more gentle. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Why is he driving that home so repeatedly? Everybody look this way. Smile. Come on, it won't hurt. (laughs) Come on, you can do it. Let the smile out. It's in there. Is it hard for you to do that? I know, Paul, that was just a moment. You're you're faking it. Come on, I got to fake my smile. But how often in the average day would you say you smile? And if you don't smile very often, is that an indication of something? Is there a lack of joy in your life that produces the smile? Joy and rejoicing is intentional. Make the choice to rejoice. And having joy isn't, isn't something that you, um, you have to wait till the good moment to arrive. Okay, now I have something to be joyful about. No, it's actually the other way around. I choose to rejoice, even though all the evidence around me says, no, don't do that. Go ahead and be depressed, be down, be filled with stress, be filled with anxiety. You have a right to that because life's awful right now. Paul is writing to us here that as we choose to rejoice, it helps us to become joyful. No matter what the circumstances surrounding you, you can still find a reason to be thankful. You can still find a reason to say, this is good. You can still find something to find beauty in, something to find joy inside of. That's why he he starts right there, choosing to rejoice even if I don't feel like it. Looking for joy even where it seems like joy is evaporated completely. I choose to be joyful. I choose in this moment to seek out joy. And when you do that, 
When you begin to develop a pattern of rejoicing in your heart and your life, that results in gentleness. That's why he says that's the next thing there. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Joyful people are gentle people. Joyful people aren't pushy. Joyful people aren't angry. doesn't mean you're never angry. You just don't stay there. Joyful people are a joy to be around. So as, as I express joy in my life, then I am attractive to other people. The joy in me, I should say, is attractive to others, especially if they're struggling with that. And that can help. And therefore, as I am gentle toward people, that's going to help them be gentle as well. Gentleness is something that I think needs to be emphasized to a greater degree than it has been. Gentleness is almost looked at as being soft or, or, or wimpy. And yet it's one of the, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit from, that Paul writes about in Galatians. Gentleness as the Spirit of God impacts you and you think about that list in Galatians 5 fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness gentleness is part of the the fruit part of the evidence that God is in you that his spirit is moving in you so my choice to rejoice makes me a more gentle person which is evident to other people and then look what it says next the Lord is near the Lord is near. God is not up there or out there somewhere. When, when you pray, and in our mind's eye, there's only, we are very limited in, in how we conceptualize God when we pray, right? But is God the old man on the big shiny throne way up on a cloud somewhere on either side of Mars or further out. And I'm hoping my prayer is going to go those gazillion miles that he hears me. He's going to respond somehow. Is God even more mysterious than that? We know we, God isn't an old man on a throne. So, so what is God? Where is God? Well, he's near. He's near. You, you, don't, you don't have to wonder where he is. You don't have to, have to go out seeking the location of God. The Lord is near. And that helps us, again, to bolster the joy. That helps us to become that much more gentle with that knowledge that God is near. God is ready at my side. When I pray, I don't have to call out for him to come on in from playing outside or something or on the trip he's on. No, he's right here with me in the moment I'm in. No matter how painful it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how seemingly to me impossible it seems, God is near. And that helps us also to drive toward 
the peace that we're seeking. Verse 6. Read this a moment ago. We'll read it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So that's the first key in, in dealing with anxiety is being reminded that God is near. He's, he's with you. One of the words we hear during this Advent Christmas season is Emmanuel. That's what that word means, of course, God with us. That is the, the one word that describes the, the incarnation, that God took on flesh, became man, born in that manger, and then grew to be the man, Jesus, and the Savior, Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. He is near. And because he's near, then he is at the ready to hear my prayers. So let's talk a little bit about prayer. Prayer helps us better to respond. Now, anxiety is a choice. I'm not saying it's, um, it's easy to stop making that choice. Just ask, ask someone who's caught in addiction, for example. You can just tell them, stop drinking the beer. Oh, yeah, I know that, but duh, it's not that easy. It's that simple. And anxiety, when it gets really far along, is, is similar in that way. I'm not calling it an addiction, but I am calling it something that is, is difficult to overcome. But somewhere there is still a choice that can be made as you learn about it. That's why it's important to seek out help when you're in anxiety because they can help you start pick through working back. Okay, what choices led you to this place? And I, some of the reading I did about anxiety, this is a good reminder that you know, stress is common to all of us. We all have stress as stressors in our lives. It's unavoidable as part of life. Anxiety is the choice you have about what you do with the stress or not. Okay, there's a lot going on. This is overwhelming. So I have an action plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to manage it. I'm going to get help, whatever it is I have to do. Anxiety says, no, this is too much. Run and hide. Don't deal with it. Don't bother. If I avoid it, if I ignore it, maybe it'll go away. And of course it doesn't. So that's the, there, there's that choice in there somewhere. So how can we become stronger to be able to make the better choice next time anxiety comes knocking on our door when stress is built up? Prayer. I know that's a real simple, godly kind of Christianese answer, right? When I was a kid, went to Sunday school, the right answer to the Sunday school teacher's question was always read the Bible and pray. No matter what he or she said, read the Bible and pray. And they're not going to tell you you're wrong. But here's the thing. Are we really reading this and letting the seed of the word take hold of our hearts? Are we praying persistently in our lives about everything? Every situation that you encounter is a prayer moment. Everything. Remember, the Lord is near. So whatever's happening to you isn't news to God. So, so when you turn to God in prayer, Jesus, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Tell him how you feel. Jesus, help me in this moment. Just tell him that. And the prayer can be that simple. 
Sometimes the prayer is, Jesus, help me. Which is better, far better than not praying at all. Far better than handling it yourself or trying to handle it yourself or not handling it at all. Just pretending it's not there. That simple prayer is, is, opens the door to God, God's presence. Now, His presence is already there, but it's we who turn away from Him. Okay? So it's like He's in the room the whole time, but you've turned your back. <laughs> you've gone to your corner, and you think the corner is life. And it's dark over here. And there's Jesus in the middle of the room of your, ha- room of your heart saying, I'm here. You want to turn around and we'll talk about this? Great, come on over. But he's not going to force you out of that corner. But the first step out of that dark corner, that dark place, can sometimes be the simple prayer, Jesus, help me. Start there, if you don't know what else to say. In every situation, petition God in prayer. It says, by petition. Well, that means a couple of things. I know for me, if... If when life builds up, and eventually it does, happens to us all, and I start to feel the anxiety, I finally make the time, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray now, <laughs> and now i got a list. And I go through the list. Not so much an I want list, but it's more like, okay, God, here's what happened, and here's how I feel about it. This and this and this. And as I go through... As I start picking through all the the pieces of that web, it takes me back a little further. It takes me a little bit deeper into my heart as I'm doing that. And so I am petitioning God with this, this list of events that, again, He knows about, but He wants me to talk with Him about in prayer. So that's part of petitioning. But then there's another aspect to that word. If... One of us was going to run for public office and have our name on, on the ballot for the next election. You would have to get a petition from the county and you would get friends and people to sign that petition and your name, your address and everything else that I believe that so-and-so is a good candidate for this particular public office and they have to get enough names on that, that petition in order to get their name onto the ballot. Think of prayer that way too. Don't go it alone. Yes, you, you feel what you feel. Maybe you're even in that place of being overwhelmed and the anxieties build up. But you don't have to battle it by yourself. Ask a friend to pray for you. Ask a friend to pray with you. Just tell your friend, hey, this is really hard right now. Please pray for me. And a lot of us do that very regularly. And continue to do that. That's what petitioning is all about. It is bringing in help. Pray thankfully. Thanksgiving was a couple of weeks ago. It's not a holiday that we isolate, and that's the only time we're thankful, right? We Thankfulness should be an everyday aspect of life. So, so as I'm rejoicing and I'm praying, I'm being thankful. There is always, 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 always something to be thankful for. Amen? Amen? Always. There is never a moment. And, and all you have to do is read the stories of people who've, who've suffered so incredibly deep, heart-wrenching, awful stuff and somehow find 
the courage to keep on being thankful. Uh, the film that came out several years ago, the, the name escapes me, but um, it was about the, the concentration camps in the Holocaust in Germany. And, and a man that was there and eventually died from it, as so many thousands and hundreds of thousands did, um, but his story came out of there, how he would go around to the children and brighten up their day and play games with them and sing. And people are looking at them, what are you, nuts? This is awful. And then sooner or later, they're, we're going to die here. And you know, he chose to bring joy into the horror of that moment. And if someone like that can do that, then that inspires me to say, okay, this has been a rough week, Paul, but... You're something to be thankful for. Start with life. Start with breath. Something. So be thankful. Request God. Don't demand God. This is important. If you have a list to God, this isn't Santa Claus in the sky. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. We've really put some godlike qualities on a sand, haven't we? I don't know. There's something about some of that that's. Uh... <laughs> hmm. But the true God, <laughs> the only God, isn't up there so you can get what you want. He, he's in fact, I said up there. He's near you. Okay. <laughs> He's with you so he can be with you. That is really important. As I'm facing trials and struggles and challenges, etc., the fact that God is with me, is present, is near, just remind God of that. Like, Lord, I need you here right now. Again, he hasn't left, but our minds play tricks on us and, and our heart lies to us. And so let, let's, Lord, be here with me. Be here now. Help me. Be with me in this struggle. And, and not going through it alone, that by itself is such a huge opening to further healing. So when we pray, you know, request God. Don't, don't, don't tell God what to do. And there's another reason for that. If, if prayer to you is the list of things I want, and then you pray the list, and then a week later, a month later, well, I prayed all this, I got none of it, or only a little bit of it, so why bother praying? Or, or even if we're not giving up on God, we're thinking, maybe I didn't pray it right. Maybe I didn't quote the right scripture. You know, name it, claim it, right? Is that, is that, is that the way this works, this prayer thing? Whose will is supposed to be happening in prayer? Jesus went to prayer before he died on the cross, which is a horrible moment. The darkness ahead of him, and he struggled with it. Lord, take this cup from me. No, not my will, but yours. He gave us that example to set aside what we want in order for God to show us what's best to bring his plan into our, into our lives. And if, if, if prayer is kind of a, a demand to God to get what I want, then what happens is prayer itself can produce anxiety, add to the anxiety.
because there's a frustration that's built in. There, there's even an anger toward God or, 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 or just, a, again, down on yourself because you're not doing it right somehow or, you know, God doesn't really love me or care about me. And it, it, it adds to the anxiety when we're, especially if you're praying, God, change him or her. Okay, that's not a really, I, I understand where it comes from, but how about praying, Lord, help me to love them even where they're at right now. I want them to change, Lord. They have to make that choice. But for my part, help me to do what I can toward them. You see that difference there? Because then you can change. That person may or may not change, but you can. And so don't let prayer itself build up your anxiety. Focus on presence, not outcomes. God is with you. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's the promise. So just a a, a quick summary there, four to six. You rejoice, which helps you be gentle. You recognize that the Lord is near. And then you're better able to make that choice to not be anxious, but to go to prayer and and tell them whatever you have to tell them and then be thankful as you're doing it. That's when the peace begins to come. And I've seen this countless times in my life. Things have built up. I'm feeling anxious, and I finally make the time to pray and ask others to pray sometimes too, and then I'm at peace. And this peace transcends our understanding. It's it's the kind of peace that this promised peace, well, first of all, God's peace is the best peace of all. And again, it begins there between me and God because when I have that lined up, then all other areas of life that are in need of peace are more likely to happen when I'm at peace with God. But God's peace doesn't always make sense or answer all of your questions. I didn't understand how I was able to get through the original diagnosis of cancer when I got it. I, it didn't make sense. I had... I could have been really freaked out. I never was. My good friend Jason up here looked at me when I told him. And I said, wow, I'd be freaking out. <laughs> and and I, I think Jason would handle it. I don't know, but it's not something God put him in. But Jason has other challenges in his life that I've seen him handle well and trust God in. So when those moments come, it doesn't always make sense, but wow, I'm, I'm okay. I could be upset, but I'm not. And be thankful for that. And also, you're not going to get all the questions answered. Not everything gets sewn up in a neat package just because you prayed. And that's okay. Walk through the mystery of it. Walk through the, the, the lack of closure. Walk through the unknowns. That's faith. Faith isn't telling God what you want and getting it. Faith is coming to God and trusting Him, come what may. No matter what, to trust in Him. And that's when God's peace will guard your heart 
In verse 8, to maintain peace, choose a healthy thought life. Here's one of these lists of Paul. Whatever is true, right, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about such things. I put in the outline the antithesis, the opposite of each of those words. So as we put all these screens before our lives, this is an example of truth. This is based on God's word. So we're, putting, we're feeding the mind something good. We're thinking about something that is positive, something that builds. Lies are the opposite. Are we feeding ourselves with something that is noble or foolish? Right or wrong? Pure or filthy? Lovely or disturbing? Admirable or shameful? Excellent or meager? Praiseworthy or disgraceful? What we put before our eyes, what we take in from our ears, all of that has an effect on the heart. So as we make those choices each day, that will better enable us to kind of turn things around and come full circle to be more joyful and to continue to be joyful and see more gentleness and the nearness of God. And, and, and it works as this, this beautiful flow in our lives that we can enter into. But this is always a good litmus test for what goes before our eyes, basically. The books that we read and the, the movies, the shows, the websites, whatever else it is that we're feeding, does it stand up well with this test? And if not, again, ask God to help you. Yeah, I know I shouldn't look at that. That's not good. That's not, that's not helpful. I can find something better. And the problem with the stuff in parentheses is it's very alluring. And most people are, are you know, all in with that stuff. And so when, when you don't jump all in, then you're going to stand out. You just want to be part of the crowd, I guess. But that's, that's the allure of it. And yet we know it doesn't work. We know it's against our own best interest. So to maintain peace, choose a healthy thought life and ask God to help you with that. And then lastly, verse 9, when you follow peaceful people, peace will be with you. Verse 9 says, <clears throat> whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. Paul is once again putting himself out there as the example. Follow me. And that always sounds so bold when you read that, but when you really just stop and think about it, you are all living examples to somebody. You have kids? Somebody's following you. you your grandparent? Somebody's following you. An aunt, an uncle? Do you have a responsibility or job of any kind? Somebody's following you. There's people following you all the time. That doesn't mean your example is necessarily good, but there are people looking to you and to see, does this work well for them? Are they, are they functioning well? Or is, is, this, is this a good way to live? So this shouldn't be strange to us that Paul would say, look for good people to follow and be that person to others. And there is that promise once again, and the peace of God will be with you.
Because otherwise, these are just concepts and principles that we see in writing, on paper. They're just a head thing. But the Word of God, that is Jesus, the Word, is living and active. And what that means is, as we celebrate this time of year, God took on flesh. God is incarnational. And not just that Jesus took on flesh, but then we as his body are the body of Christ in this world. We are then the, the living embodiment of the way of God, the spirit of God. So therefore, people will follow us, people will look to us, and we have to see it in action to know that it's true, to know that it works, to know that it's valuable. This is, uh, I'll close also with a, a hymn line, or a, as we call it this time of year, they are carols. They're hymns the rest of the year, they're carols at Christmas. Huh? Familiar carol called Away in a Manger. Quite often Away in the Manger, because of the soft tone of the, of the melody, and even lyrically, especially the first verse, it almost sounds like a lullaby, and it's perhaps is used as such. But the last verse of that song is really powerful. And I think it's a beautiful prayer. And sometimes using even hymns and scriptures to, to convey what we, maybe we don't know, we can't find the words for ourselves, is a good thing. I've used this as a prayer multiple times in my life. So listen apart from the melody to the power of these words as a prayer. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee, we live with thee there. When you let go of, of the image of children and the little baby in the manger and you think of children of God, which is all of us, and you use that as a prayer, that's really powerful. The nearness of God, the, the, the presence, His love for us to remind it. It doesn't go away. We have to remind ourselves that it's there. And, and to pray for others, not just yourself. So I hope that something from the... The word of God has blessed you and helped you this day. And I ask that it would be applied to your life. And that's what we ask for now in prayer, Jesus, that you would help each person here today to take something from these scriptures this morning and plant as a seed in their heart that will make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>